Hey, whether you enjoy listening to Breaking Down Collapse or Building Up Resilience, I think you'll also really enjoy our bonus content on Patreon. Yeah, Kellen and I take 20 minutes each week to talk about the news that's happening all around us and Collapse as it plays out. We like to have a little fun with it, but also make sure that you're aware of what's going on in the world of Collapse. We look forward to having you join us there. The link to join us on Patreon is in the episode description. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here we are, Corey. We're back. But you didn't expect to hear these two voices again anytime soon. Yeah, especially not in the condition that my voice is in right now. You sound awful. I know. Which I'm really sick of having to explain to the people. To the people? The people listening that you're sick again. Like, I went back and listened through some of our old episodes, and I was struck by the number of times I had to be like, telling sick. It's like once or twice a year. That's it. Anyways, the point is, my voice sounds terrible, but here we are. Uh, we're back. It's time for us to uh, do a recap of Collapse in the year 2023 and some predictions about 2024. Yeah, we did this in 2021 and we did it in 2022. And we couldn't let the opportunity pass by to recap 2023 because it was a doozy. It sure was. We went back and listened to our uh, predictions from last year's episode of what we thought 2023 was going to be. And we were wrong in like every aspect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It it was actually really comical, which makes me nervous to make any sort of predictions about 2024. What's the fun thing about predictions? That's true. You don't want to be right with predictions because then people start asking you stuff. And (laughs) (laughs) the more you can prove that you're wrong, the less people respect you. And I think that's what we should all aim for in the end great goal okay well before we get into any uh prediction nonsense let's talk about the just wonderful blast of a year that we had in 2023 
What was your favorite part about 2023, by the way? Oh, man. Was it the record-breaking heat? I mean, I was thinking, like, you know, Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey. (laughs) sea ice loss in the Antarctic. Barbenheimer. Oh, okay. You know, we're kind of talking about two different things here. But since you brought it up, let's go ahead and talk about that stuff. All right. As long as once we stop recording, you can talk to me more about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Let's let's start with some of the most, I guess, egregious aspects of 2023. I mean, it's all terrible. Um, Let's talk about climate change and the impacts that we saw from climate change this year. And by the way, we say this every time we do this, but I'm going to say it again. We're not going to hit on everything there would be. There was so much. <laughs> As I went through, I was like, wow, 2023, I forgot all this stuff happened. Um, and and there's gonna, there's so much that we can't fit it all into this episode. So don't be like, oh, they didn't even talk about this event that happened. Um, we know. So heat. This was the year of heat. Records broken left, right, up and down. El Nino wreaked havoc on the earth. Um, and of course, El Nino mixed with the impacts of climate change. This year was between 1.4 and 1.5 degrees Celsius hotter than the pre-industrial average. Obviously, doesn't mean we've hit 1.5 degrees, right? And all of a sudden, oh, the Paris Climate Accords, it's gone. But it's, 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 this, it's the idea. Like, this is what, if we hit this average every year for whatever it is, it's a running average over 20 or 30 years or whatever it is. But this is what that life is going to look like every year at that type of heat. Um, mixed in with, of course, all the other uh, impacts and changes that will come as we hit other tipping points. And I just don't know if I can do it. (laughs) I don't know if I can make it through if every year was like this year and, of course, worse than what this year was. I don't know, man. I'm already used to it. And, you know, I think a lot of people will feel that way until the direct impacts hit them which I think direct impacts hit more people this year than probably ever have when it comes to climate change. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And I say that tongue in cheek, right? That it's like people, people adjust, adapt so quickly and say, oh, this is just a new normal big deal. It's not like my life is that much different than it was before. Right. And yet for so many people, life is much different than it was before. And there are devastating impacts that are taking place. You know, one of the one of the things we'll talk more about heat, but another thing that um, struck me about 2023 was the amount of flooding that there was. And quite frankly, I had forgotten how much flooding there was. It took me going back and looking at the articles and, and the news sources and, and everything to, to remember it all. And I remember as it happened, thinking, holy crap, this is insane. All of this flooding, all, of, you know, happening everywhere. This is just record breaking. And by the end of the year, I'd forgotten about it. And you know, you and I are paying particular notice to these things. So it's not hard to imagine the rest of the world, I shouldn't say the rest of the world, but so much of the world who doesn't pay attention, who don't care, or who want who want to forget about these things, that yeah, like it floods once, it floods ten times, it floods fifty times in different places all over the world. It doesn't register to an individual who it doesn't impact necessarily. It's quickly forgotten. And so it's kind of sad to see that even though the impacts are increasing so rapidly, people may not take notice 
it may not really make a difference or a change in people's minds or hearts until those impacts are directly affecting them or someone that they love. So going back to heat, just a few things to list here. Um, you know, there were heat waves in South America hit 95 degrees Fahrenheit in winter in parts of South America. Uh, periods of ocean temperature anomalies that were five standard deviations above the normal. I, I can't remember what the odds were. It was like one in a million or something or even worse chances of of having that anomalous of heat in the ocean. Um, Antarctica having record melt. This was the first year, I think, that Antarctica suddenly became this focus in climate change. It's always been, oh, Antarctica will, you know, won't be impacted for centuries. Um, it's cold enough down there and it's steady enough and nothing changes. It's just basically ignored. All the focus is put on the Arctic. And this year, I think suddenly was just a, a real change in that because um, because of the anomalous warmth there. Uh, there was hot tub temperature waters in the Gulf of Mexico and other places around the world. It hit 101 degrees Fahrenheit in the water there. That is that is very hot. There was anecdotal evidence uh, of odd migration patterns of birds, flowering plants where there shouldn't be. In Phoenix, Arizona, um, almost 600 people died this summer just due to heat. And that wasn't like in one wild heat wave event. That was just in the oppressive heat over the course of the summer. Records were broken all around the world um, in every hemisphere for the number of days over a certain you know degree or, or for certain uh, heat waves themselves, whatever that might be. It was just record after record after record. And in the end, it was the hottest year in at least 125,000 years on Earth. Outstanding. Way to go, us. <laughs> breaking records. <laughs> yeah, and on that note, like breaking records, that's what I feel like the headlines were full of. Uh, just over and over and over again, this record was broken, that record was broken, this is unprecedented, we've never seen this before. Record broken, record broken, record broken, right? Just over and over again. Because it was such a record-breaking year and it was so anomalous, hopefully that grab some attention. You know, I saw it a lot because you and I spent our time looking at this stuff, but I think even the average person didn't get through the year without seeing a lot of headlines about record-breaking heat. And I worry that too many people think, oh, it's only because it's an El Nino year um, and not considering the fact that, yes, El Nino played a big part of it, but this is like a, a you know, constant trend. But Hopefully, it's raising awareness, getting more people on board with the reality of what's actually happening. And, and the more that happens, the more we can actually potentially make some changes. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I've seen people say within like the collapse sphere, take it maybe a little too far and be like, okay, every year is going to be like this now. Like this is the year in which everything broke. And we never go back to normal. Next year is going to be hotter than this year. And the year after that is going to be hotter than that. And like the, even though this was an El Nino year, it's going to be the coldest year for the rest of your life. I don't think that that itself is true. I think 2024 could be as bad as or worse than this year. But we are in the peak of a major El Nino. We will likely come down from that peak, at least momentarily. But this peak shows us what the new normal will be in a few years, right? As as the El Nino peaks become 
um, lower than the, the the norm over time. Totally. Um, but yeah, I think this year was just, it was catastrophic, truly, when it comes to heat. And I hope we don't see another year like this. And I hope it doesn't become the norm. But unfortunately, at some point, it will. Moving on from heat, um, I had mentioned floods. So there were numerous catastrophic floods this year. Uh, one such occurrence took place within 12 days in which 10 different countries experienced severe flooding. I don't know if you remember that. Can we did a bonus episode on that? And it wasn't like, oh, yeah, 10 different countries had a flood of some sort during those 12 days. It was 10 different countries had major catastrophic floods within that less than two-week period. So um, in Libya alone, there were thousands of deaths and potentially tens of thousands more that were displaced. It rained so much that it burst two dams, and those dams basically rained down on or crushed down on a city. Um, in the U.S., Burning Man Festival, I don't know if you remember that, was left in chaos. Uh, the area was covered in twice the monthly average rainfall in a 24-hour period. In Massachusetts, they received 300% the normal rainfall. There were dozens of deaths in Brazil um, and numerous other countries. But, I mean, these these were floods that, that caused millions and millions of dollars of damage, took hundreds and thousands of lives um, all within that that two-week period. And then beyond that, um, in November, over 700,000 people were displaced in East Africa due to flooding. I, I didn't hear about that. When it happened. This was just a couple months ago, and I never heard anything about it. Unfortunately, it seems like that's always the case when things happen in Africa in particular. The rest of the world doesn't really hear about it. Yeah, it's a sad truth. You know, there's so much conflict and starvation, and, and it's really where climate change and really every aspect of collapse seems to hit the hardest, and yet it is what we hear least about. And there's something to be said about that that I can't put into words, but it is deeply frustrating. And it makes sense that people would be displaced by flooding. You know, sometimes when I envision flooding, I think of some standing water, you know, up to your knee or something like that. But then when you watch the videos of these extreme flooding events, it is astounding. Like what you described in Libya, it's like buildings are basically just demolished and being washed away. Cars are are being washed away and the devastating impacts of these extreme flooding events i think are um underestimated by most and of course this uh, this in east africa was after the most prolonged droughts the area had had seen on record so we're just going back and forth right between these immense droughts followed by outrageous amounts of rain and that just flows right over its scorched earth, right? It, and the, they play off of each other, and it's devastating to see. causes uh, mudslides, landslides, all that type of thing. And that's where it's just a good reminder. People think about things getting warmer, and they just think like, oh, everything will be a couple degrees warmer than what we're used to. But the way that it throws everything off, that's where you get the global weirding that we talk about. Um, I think going forward, we will continue to see extreme heat in places that shouldn't get extreme heat and extreme rains and flooding in places that shouldn't get that extreme snowfall in places that aren't used to it. You know, it's just throwing everything off. 
Yeah, totally. Um, a couple more to list here. There was a thousand-year rain event in Kentucky. Ten inches of rain fell in Nova Scotia over a weekend, which was three months worth of rain in just those two days. 20,000 people were displaced across 25 different cities uh, in China from flooding. 50 dead in India, 20,000 evacuated in South Korea. 12 inches of hail in Germany in July required the fire department to help clear uh, clear the roadways. Italy and Croatia recorded hail bigger than 10 centimeters in diameter, which is one and a half times that of a baseball. I mean, we're talking baseball, bigger than baseball size hail. And it said in the largest hailstone found this year was record-breaking at 80% the size of a volleyball. It was it was 16 centimeters, and I was trying to find something to compare that to, and it was like a softball is too small and a, a volleyball was a little bit too big, but 80% of a volleyball in ice falling from the sky. A water polo ball. Yeah. It actually was – it was the size of a handball, but I don't – not that many people are familiar with handball, <laughs> so I didn't want to say that. Well, either way – the the idea of pieces of ice, even remotely that size, falling from the sky is terrifying. So I'll have to admit, I'm really bad at um, metric. So when it said 10 centimeters, I was like, well, a centimeter is really small. So like 10, you know, I was, I was like, maybe that's like a little bit bigger than a golf ball or something. And then it ended up being a, a baseball and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow, okay. All right. Um, there was this article in CNN, um, someone named Christina Dahl, who is a climate scientist with the Union of Concerned Scientists, said, climate change influences our weather on Earth every day. In my mind, the burden of proof is now to show that climate change hasn't influenced an event because it's just so clear, clearly influencing everything around us. It used to be that it was like, prove that climate change had anything to do with this event, Right. And now, in her opinion, she's saying, like, it's more on someone needing to prove that it's not because it's just wreaked havoc on everything. Okay, last little bit I want to talk about here is wildfires that occurred. Um, Obviously, hugely devastating in Lehana. The entire city lost, right? And this was odd because... Typically, Hawaii doesn't see these types of fires, but it killed more than 100 people displaced everyone who lived there a huge cultural loss um, and obviously there's all the political issues that came along with that as well it's interesting because in the u.s this year we actually had much less of a fire season than normal um, typically we get somewhere between like seven and ten million acres burned and this year it was only about two and a half it was the quietest wildfire season in 25 years so, in big part, that was due to an excess amount of rainfall in California and the West. It was obviously a very wet winter this last winter. Um, so, that's good news. At the same time, it also means that it's supplying all this, is blanketing this area in fresh vegetation. Um, the stuff that grows to a foot or two high, you know, that burns super easily in a drought after it does dry out. So, it could mean um, difficulty in the years to come as well. Canada, however, this year <laughs> was, I mean, it was three times the previous record of acreage burned in Canada. Oh, poor Canada. It just seemed like it was nonstop. And it's it's odd to think that where the U.S. had such a break from it, Canada and other parts of the world were just absolutely devastated. 
So to consider three times the previous average is just is just. Didn't you say three times the previous record? Thank you. Yes, three times the previous record, not the previous average. So, yeah, enough said there. It blanketed the country in smoke. Um, in the U.S., New York City and the entire east northeast coast was basically covered in smoke. There's just apocalyptic photos of Manhattan where you can't see very far at all. It's just this orange haze. And by the way, for the U.S. folk here, um, I was trying to think about, okay, what is 45 million acres? That's just a big number. I don't really know what that means. It's basically the, the entire size of Florida or Washington State. So you picture that amount of land burning and it's just mind-blowing. There was a fire um, in ro on roads in Greece. They had to evacuate a large, large amount of people. There were numerous other notable wildfires. Um, Turkey had a wildfire that broke the record in the, in the EU as their largest ever wildfire. So those were just a few of some of the world's largest wildfires. But in the end, I mean, really... Every country was affected. Every country was touched by burning land. And now as we go into an El Nino year, especially countries like Australia um, are really gearing up for having uh, large wildfires this year as well. So 2024 could be just as bad or worse for the world in that area. All right. We get it, man. Climate change. It's happening. You know, I was just – this thought just occurred to me. We should – go back and, and do some research on what the year 2013 was like and do like a year in review on, on a decade ago. Because I'm curious, if we went back that far, I don't really remember 2013 very well. Do you think, or like to what degree was it as bad as 2023? How, how much are things changing from year to year and decade to decade? Well, the fact that we were talking about all these records being broken. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's safe to assume that things are quite a bit worse. Totally. All right. Let's shift gears. Let's talk about the economy. Ooh, fun. Now, I think the main, like if, if there was one adjective to describe the economy in 2023, it would be volatile. There were just lots of ups and downs, a lot of unpredictability. Um, I'll share some numbers here. A lot of it has to do with the U.S., but I mean, the economy saw major disruptions globally, for sure. First of all, we don't need to dive into it a whole lot, but you might remember the U.S. hitting its debt ceiling much faster than expected. And and that's another one that we talked about in a bonus episode, Corey. I'm not going to dive into the details, but I will share this. This is from an article published just a day or two ago. The federal government's gross national debt has surpassed $34 trillion, a record high that foreshadows the coming political and economic challenges to improve America's balance sheet in the coming years. So as we are wrapping up 2023 here, starting 2024, you know, there's just another record. Add it to the list. Record amount of debt. Which, by the way, to me is is mind-blowing because it wasn't that long ago that we were in, like, the teens, you know, $17, 15000000000000 trillion in debt. There truly was in 2020, just a massive explosion in national debt, starting with Trump and which has been almost just as high this year under Biden. And it, I mean, it's just an exponential growth. At what point it has to stop, it has to slow down, or there has to be some sort of consequences um, 
it's terrifying otherwise. By the way, I just uh, pulled up a map here. Speaking of 2013, uh, a decade ago, we were sitting right around 15 trillion. So it's it's more than doubled in a decade. And that's the crazy thing. Again, going back to like the public's perception, I, I think these numbers have become so meaningless. I think, like, if you think just a decade ago, just 10 years ago, we were at 15 trillion and now we're at 34 trillion. That should scare everybody. And yet, I bet pretty much everybody's like, oh, whatever. It's just, it is what it is. Debt is debt. It's just more debt, whatever. Okay. Well, what about consumer debt? I'll read this from an article. It says total consumer debt balances increased. To sixteen point three eight trillion in twenty twenty two, this rose again to seventeen point oh six trillion in twenty twenty three. This means that consumer debt balance is increased by four point one five percent over the past year. When we talk about events in twenty twenty three, you'll remember um, we had the worst banking crisis since two thousand eight. If you'll recall, SVB, Credit Suisse, Signature Bank, um, they all experienced failures. And actually reviewing this was a surprise for me when I I was like, wait, didn't that happen like two years ago? <laughs> but that was just this year that we had those bank failures and, and there was all of the panic. Um, one recent article uh, from, a, from a recent survey says that 57% of Americans don't have enough savings to cover a $1,000 emergency. 32%, basically a third of working age American adults have $0 saved for retirement. Significant. I don't. <laughs> I would not have expected it to be that high. To have $0, not a single dollar put away. A third of working age American adults don't have any money saved for retirement. 57% don't have enough savings to cover a $1,000 emergency. So not to keep... Um thinking about the past but i'm curious what kind of effect like if 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 a third of, of americans adult americans don't have any money put away towards retirement right now what would that number have looked like 30 or 40 years ago because those people are now in retirement right was it 30 percent as well and there's just 30 percent who are living off of social security and, and don't really have anything more than that or does 30 percent is that super significant as far as what life will be like, you know, come retirement age for these adults? I don't know. My hope is that that third is basically the youngest third, mm. right? Those that are haven't started entering the workforce, they, you know, but still you would expect them to have something. Anyways, that's the state of things here at the end of 2023. Um, there were record levels of food insecurity. In 48 countries, 238 million people are facing high levels of acute food insecurity. That's 10% more than in 2022. So you may remember, Corey, we talked about different like crop failures because of a lot of the climate change things that you talked about. Um, there's all of the geopolitical, all the, all the global conflict that is disrupting supply chains. You know, there there is food insecurity that we knew about, but it's just crazy that an additional 21.6 million people face high level of acute insecurity than in 2022. Wow. And already, I mean, 2022, we're coming off of all of the supply chain issues from the pandemic and all the issues there. 
So this, you know, really paints the picture that we're in a crisis. Yeah, you think about that that many people, 20 million. Again, when you get into numbers, it's just a number's a number, you know, and it's hard to really grasp what that means. Um, but when you look at populations of different countries around the world, um, you know, North Korea has 26 million people in it. Taiwan has 24 million people in it. Syria with 23 million. We're talking about an entire nation's worth of people worldwide suddenly growing in food insecurity and that number just keeps expanding yeah like that's that, that's not the total number that's just the number of additional that we're right. added in 2023 we grew by almost a north korea in food hunger or in excuse me in, in food insecurity this year yep so again looking back at 2023 the fed finally near the end there uh, kind of paused on interest rate hikes after doing 11 consecutive rate hikes but um, that's because, you know, they were doing all the rate hikes to try to control inflation. And inflation had hit its peak in June of 2022 at 9.1%. Um, and and it's, they've been getting control of it to some degree. Now it's down to about 3.1%. But everything they've been doing with those rate hikes, that has affected, obviously, certain industries. Um, the housing market was hit really hard. If you know, there are certain peaks if you look like month to month, but when averaging out over the entire year, 2023's average median sale price for homes was higher than any previous year in history and it was up at 409,000. Wow. You know, I remember as a kid, um not even a kid, 15 years old, whatever, 10 to 15 years old thinking a $400,000 house even like a $350,000 house, I was like, one day I'm going to own that nice of a house, right? That was that was like a big six-bed, three-bath, you know, 3,500 square foot on an acre, you know, back then. And now I look at what sells for $350,000, $400,000, and I'm just blown away by that, the, the, the change those $350,000 houses back then are now $600,000 houses today. It's it's wild. And to think that not only were house prices that high, right, on on the average over the year, higher than ever, but also um, mortgage rates hit, hit a high at least over the last 30 years. Um, October 17th, it peaked at 8.45%. And so to think you've got really high home prices and really high interest rates, most people were priced out of buying a home. And not that we're getting into predictions yet, but I mean, there is a huge housing shortage in the U.S. And there's a housing shortage in other places in the world as well. Yeah, I know, especially like Canada, even worse than the U.S. was hit hard by housing problems, housing insecurities, and people are just struggling to to make ends meet, you know, to even buy a meal, let alone to even think about home ownership. And, you know, it's interesting when you talk about the economy, because like, I feel like it could have been so much worse, at least in the year 2023. It, it didn't get as bad, I think, as what I worried that it might. And even looking back at some of the predictions that we had made, right. And I don't know, you know, we're not out of the 
blue yet. We're not uh, we're not safe, and and we never will be regarding the economy. It's always on edge, and it's always unsustainable. But I was I was really nervous about what was possibly going to happen in 2023, and it just shows that number one, like they will do anything that they can the fed and 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 whoever to make it continue as business as usual and of course they don't want to see economic suffering they they have their target rates for inflation and they'll do what they need to do to get them to that but again because it's so unsustainable and because in just in general business as usual is wreaking havoc on every other aspect you know, climate change the environment um, other humanitarian efforts it's both a relief that things weren't worse while simultaneously being frustrating that we're just going to continue forging ahead as we have been. Yeah, and what's interesting is if you look at – there are all these different polls you know, where they, they talk to like CEOs of corporations around the world and, and they'll compile predictions from like leading economists and from what I've seen, it's – it's split right now. Like going into 2024, it's it's basically 50-50. Um, that, that some are bullish, some are bearish, right? Like people really don't know what to expect. There's so much disagreement even among the experts. And so there's all of this celebration that like, hey, we all thought there was going to be a recession in 2023. And... There kind of was a little bit, but not really. Maybe we just had a soft landing and things will be great from here on out. And like stock market's up, awesome. Things look bright. And yet there are others that are saying, ah, oh, it just hasn't caught up to us yet. And so it's, again, going back to the uncertainty and the volatility, I think that will continue. Well, let's move on and touch briefly on conflict this year. What? Were... No conflict this year. <laughs> yeah, everything was so easy and and everyone was happy and there were rainbows and butterflies. Peaceful. No, actually, there was more death due to conflict globally than there has been in nearly 25 years. Uh, in October of 2023, the UN estimated that nearly 114 million people were displaced due to conflict and war around the world. And by the way, that was in October, so that number is certainly higher now after the Gaza-Israel um, conflict, which started in October. The IRC president, um, the IRC is the International Rescue Committee. Their president and CEO, David Miliband, said that for many of the people his organization serves, this is the worst of times as exposure to climate risk, impunity in an ever-growing number of conflict zones, and spiraling public debt collide with diminishing international support. Basically saying that nobody gives a crap about conflicts. No one's coming to their aid. Like the amount of humanitarian aid and care is decreasing as more and more conflicts pop up. Like number one, there's just not a way to help that many people. And number two, the amount of help that was even coming compared to last year and the year before is decreasing. And it's because countries are facing their own stuff. Um, governments are having to help their own people. And so sending that money abroad, um, sending those resources abroad, that ability is decreasing. I mean, it's all part of catabolic collapse. Um, and there are so many conflicts happening that aren't getting big news coverage because um, of the big conflicts that are happening. So obviously, Israel, Gaza, 
sparked up this year, uh, this year in 2023 in October. Um, at this point, there's over 20,000 dead, two-thirds of which are women and children. So just a massive civilian loss, um, innocent people losing their lives, and it's not slowing down. Again, we we've, we talked about this in bonus episodes quite a bit. I don't want to hash through this too much, but it is disgraceful. It is frustrating to to not be able to do anything about it and to not see any sort of change um, coming from the U.S. or Israel. Why the is why the U.S. is continuing to back it, and the number of people who are just stand by idly, okay with it happening. And not just stand by, but but openly endorse it, right? There's no doubt in my mind, I won't speak for you, Kellen, but to me, it, it, it just, it is genocidal what's happening. And so anyway, devastating what's happening there and, and it is getting all the news coverage and it should because of how big of a deal it is. But there are lots of other conflicts going on that are getting overshadowed by it as well. Things, I mean, Russia, Ukraine, we're not seeing the coverage that we used to. And yet, um, the number of dead in, in Russia and Ukraine is increasing month to month. December of this last year was the highest number of deaths so far, um, at least by their estimates in the war. There, um, likely 500,000 soldiers have been either killed or injured in that war. So half a million soldiers. And when you consider that or compare that to other recent wars, um, it is, I mean, it just blows them out of the water. The entire two decades in the Vietnam War was some, I didn't write the number down, but it was like 50,000 deaths. Um, in Afghanistan, in the multiple decades that we were there, again, it was somewhere around fifty or 60,000 deaths. Um, and we're talking about at least between injured and deaths, 500,000. And these numbers are hard because it's all kind of shrouded in secrecy and neither neither um, country wants to really talk about how many have been killed and underreporting and then the enemy overreports or whatever. But the likely estimates um, are around, of those 500,000, 200,000 have been killed and 300,000 have been injured. Um, of those, 70,000 were Ukrainian deaths and 130,000 were Russian. So almost twice the number have died in Russia, in Russia as in Ukraine, but Russia has three times as many soldiers, um, so they can continue the fight. 10,000 plus civilians have died there as well. As you share all of that, it's just so sobering. You know, it's, it's so tragic. And I know, Corey, you were, I think you were trying to kind of hold yourself back from, uh, you know, from diving too deep on some of your personal opinions about, uh, you know, some of what's going on right now. I think in each of these conflicts, um, you know, people will pick a, a, a side that they kind of side with or a, a team that they're rooting for. And I think there's no problem with that. Obviously the purposes for which nations or people go to war varies and the, and you can see what's justified perhaps and what's not. But the one thing I will say is, there have there have just been terrible, horrific things that have happened by people on all sides and and absolutely horrific things done by people on all sides right and it it's just a reminder of how ugly war is uh we mentioned earlier 
there's so much conflict that's gone on for years and largely gets unnoticed in like Africa in several parts of Africa. Um, but some of these nations that are more in the spotlight and the terrible things that are happening there, it hopefully is a reminder to people that, you know, when another nation makes you upset, you shouldn't just wage right into a war. And I hope we're more cautious going forward, but the way, like you said, that things just continue with these conflicts and that they're not slowing down. I'm not too hopeful. And yet, like you hear here in the U S it's always talk about civil war, right? And, with everything political going on and you hear certain sides or parties or people or whatever encourage it and they're excited for it. And yeah, I want civil war. And yet, you know, they don't really understand the impact of war and what it means and the toll that it takes on people. Um, Two thirds of the casualties of a war being civilians should be a very high and not just civilians, but women and children should be a very high signal that something is wrong. So, Kellen, speaking of wars in Africa that less people have likely heard about, um, in Sudan, there is a civil war in which 9,000 plus people have died. Um, and there are so many other conflicts going on there as well all the time. And it's actually one of my my fears for this coming year um, is that there will be more conflicts in these nations where there's more stress, where there's more food stress, right? There's more hunger, there's more impacts from climate change, there's um, resource depletion and, and struggles with access to resources. And because we don't hear as much about them, they go more unnoticed. There is less humanitarian aid rendered there. And, you know, you, you talk about the Israel-Gaza war, Russia-Ukraine, people take sides people don't take sides in wars that are happening in civil wars, you know, in Sudan or in other countries in Africa because they don't know they're happening. And it's not just Africa, right? Myanmar, there's a coup there. How many people are paying attention to that and know that there was a coup in a civil war happening in that country for months? How many people remember um, the protests in Iran? I, I found myself thinking, man, I haven't heard much about that recently, right? There was these mass protests um, specifically about women's rights in Iran and I remember, you know, all these people being imprisoned and, and all of a sudden I haven't heard much about it. And it turns out um, it did spill into 2023. It went through the spring, but it has been sort of clamped down on. They made enough apparent arrests. Um, there were enough deaths from it that it's kind of um, quieted down. There is still remnants of it happening. But in, in that country, in Iran, 500 plus were killed by the government basically shot, executed in the streets for protesting, 18,000 plus were imprisoned. So horrific things coming from there. Um, there is an article titled, Protests in 2023, Widespread Citizen Anger Continues with Sources Multiplying. This is in the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace. And I just thought this was interesting. Talking about 2023, it said, New protests erupted in 83 countries. From China and the Democratic Republic of the Congo to Iraq and North Macedonia. What was interesting is that it talks about how there are like, there's always protests going on around the world. In this year, there were seven countries that had not experienced major protests at all in the past five years that did experience new protests this year. Denmark, French Polynesia, Mozambique, Norway, the Republic of Ireland, Suriname, and Sweden. And then it goes on to talk about all of the different like types of protests, what people were protesting about. And we're literally talking about like 
millions, if not tens of millions of people all around the world coming together to protest things happening in their own country and things happening in other people's countries or happening on a, on a global scale. And it shows a map and the map is literally, it's like 60% full of just countries where mass protests are happening at any given time. And it's just, it's interesting. I wonder, you know, it's talked about some of the successes from these protests that um, in 2023, some have, have changed the way that their country's uh, governments operate. And I also wonder how much go completely ignored, no matter how you look at it, people are, are getting angry and they're willing to speak up even in countries where they may be punished for doing so. Now, wait a minute. You just spent all that time talking about global conflict, and you didn't even once mention the Chinese spy balloon. How could I leave that out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of all the things that can be memefied, that one was just a perfect example. <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, as if all of that wasn't enough, um, just a reminder that... Uh, COVID is still a thing. And although it wasn't as impactful from the perspective of fatalities, it still is there. It's still impacting lives. Um, you know, long COVID is, is, there are health impacts. And I know people personally, I mean, my dad has had COVID like five times now and it just doesn't want to leave him alone. I know others who have been in the same boat where they just keep getting it over and over again. And, you know, it's still all of the impacts that it had on the world in terms of like supply chains and everything like that. The the way it has shifted the global workforce and what happens remotely and uh, the way it has isolated people. We'll talk a little bit about that, but there are still plenty of impacts just from COVID alone. Yeah, they say the official numbers are around 7 million dead from COVID total since the beginning of the pandemic worldwide, but that it may be as high as three times that just from underreporting. So up to up to 21 million people dead from a pandemic, which is just something, you know, most people, I shouldn't say most people, a lot of people look back at the pandemic and they're bitter about it and they're bitter about everything that happened and say, look, it wasn't that big of a deal. It blew over. COVID was never that big of a deal. But talking about between 7 and 20 million people lost their lives because of it, that is horrendous. Long COVID continues to be an issue. Um, they say it's affecting potentially one in three people who get COVID. 
And uh, the U.S. dropped its official COVID emergency in May of 2023, and it just seems like people haven't really looked back. And COVID isn't the only thing. Like RSV, there's a big, you know, resurgence of that this year. Um, Monkeypox, you may remember all of the mm-hmm. all of the issues there this year. Yep. Bird flu. Wow. Bird flu that just absolutely wreaked havoc on several different species. Like it still is. Yeah, different animal populations, not just birds. And we've talked about that several times over the course of the year as we've seen the emerging research. Yeah, they just recently, there was an article this last week about a polar bear in Alaska that died and was confirmed to have died from from bird flu. And it's one of those that there's just like, it, it ebbs and flows in the news cycle, right? There'll be months at a time where I don't hear anything about it. And then all of a sudden, everyone's talking and panicking about it again. And it's hard because it's one of those that like, if it's going to strike, it's it's just going to happen. There's probably not going to be any stopping it, especially because everyone's in pandemic fatigue. Good luck trying to get people to mask up and, and social distance if it does make the jump to humans. Um, in our bonus episodes, we talked about it. And actually, we had an actual episode, I believe, in this podcast as well when we talked about diseases on, on bird flu. It very well could make that jump. It's really just a numbers game. And... Like there's just there's just no telling and only time will tell. But the fact that it's basically endemic now in the bird population and spreading to mammals so frequently is definitely nerve wracking. So on top of all of those diseases that continue to spread, the U.S. Surgeon General declared loneliness an epidemic. And uh, there were a lot of comparisons to just how devastating like the isolation and the loneliness that people are experiencing uh, you know, comparing that to smoking however many cigarettes a day, you know, that, that kind of an impact that it has on people's health. And the numbers are just staggering. I, I didn't pull them all back up here uh, because you and I, Corey, have talked about it in bonus episodes, but people are lacking in, in relationships, in friendships. And that goes right along with the fact that there are record numbers of, of cases of depression. Depression rates are at an all-time high, and if there's, um, you know, if it, as if we hadn't already gone over many very sobering statistics, more than fifty thousand Americans died by suicide in 2023, which is more than any year on record. So, I don't have the exact number, but it, it, we know that it's over fifty thousand. Um, the U.S. Surgeon General calls mental health the defining health crisis of our time. To piggyback on that, um, it wasn't in terms of total number of mass shootings. It wasn't a record-breaking year, but it was it was up there. Um, the record was in 2021 with 689 mass shootings. In 2023, there were 656. So up in that same range. That said, in 2023... There was a U.S. record of 39 mass shootings with at least four victim fatalities. So if we're just talking about all of the challenges to mental health, you know, 2023 was a a, a really terrible year. I will say homicides in the U.S. dropped uh, by like 12%. Wow. That was something that was actually 
predicted because uh, there was a 30% rise in murders amid the COVID-19 pandemic. I see. So it's come down a little bit. Coming off of that pandemic rage. Yeah, I guess so. And outside of all of that, if if you're looking at one thing that people would look back at 2023 and say that describes the year, you would probably hear from many of them AI. AI has swept in OpenAI, ChatGPT, you know, everything that's come since then, and it is accelerating at just a mind-blowing pace. It really is mind- mind-blowing is the right word for it. Uh, just before we started recording, Corey, you and I were um, looking at some of the, the progressions of mid-journey images. Yeah. Um, it's it's something that, like, it wasn't even really a thing before. You know, people didn't really – people thought of AI and they thought of futuristic sci-fi movies. But in 2023, it became center stage. And, uh, you know, there were all the the writer's strike in, in, in Hollywood where, the, the you know, at least in part was around concerns about AI taking their jobs. We're only at the beginning of it. But we're starting to see that AI is becoming very disruptive. And you could say for good and for bad. But um, 2023 at least showed us that going forward, you know, the next year and the year after that, the world is going to look very different than it does today. Yeah. Just in reference to the mid-journey that you were talking about, right? From ver- from version 1 to version 6, which just came out, you know, version 1 was like 18 months ago. So, and that was kind of before generative AI had really become a huge deal to the average person. Um, and my goodness, just, you know, version one was just unrecognizable as to what it was trying to accomplish. You couldn't even tell it was really happening on there uh, in the images. And now you just, they are almost indistinguishable. The average person who's not paying super close attention to AI probably has no idea what, you know, that some of these photos would not be real. And even like when, as I look through them, it takes me some time to decipher like, okay, there's a little clue or something. that This is an AI generated image. Um, it's just getting really good, really fast. And to think that it's made that much of a, of a difference in just 18 months. And then to think about even just the strides it's made in the last six to eight months and that's just the generative side, right? That's the kind of fun, creative side that people see all the time. Like, oh, yeah, the images and like the video that it's being able to do now and the music and the writing and all these things. But on the flip side of that, there's all the AI progression that's happening that goes more unseen, right, in the scientific world or the AI that's going to be making waves in um, in technological discoveries, or the AI that's going to make advances in hacking capabilities and surveillance. And like you said, there's good and there's bad in all of it. But just to reiterate what you mentioned, it's that it's going to change the world. I think there are a lot of people who might listen to this and disagree with that. Some people don't think that AI is going to go anywhere. Um, but I just I cannot see a future which is not impacted heavily by what's happening in AI. Well, the next category that I have listed here is political. And we've already kind of talked about the geopolitical conflicts and things like that. On the political side, I don't want to say much um, simply because it makes me angry. 
<laughs> when you think back to 2023, just the politics, especially in the U.S., have just become – I think you can sum it up with just one word and that's circus, right? It is a circus. I think about the fact that it's it's shaping up to be an election between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, which we have seen before. Hold on. I'm going to pause you because Please. if you're if you're choosing just one word to describe it, like a circus can be like playful and fun. Okay, is shit show better? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's ugly, that's for sure. And you talked about it making you angry in 2023. Um, wow, I'm uh, very nervous to see how you feel about it in 2024. Oh, we'll get to the prediction part here coming up soon because yeah, I I'm not looking forward to this year. Um, that said, so Donald Trump and Joe Biden, neither of which to me are people that bring me much hope or excitement or joy or passion or really anything, right? Donald Trump has 91 criminal counts that have been brought against him, which are going to be, um, you know, his cases are coming up this year in, in January and in March. Um, some of those are beginning. I don't know the pace at which those are going to take place, but they're there. He has those counts against him. There are, he's been dropped from the ballot in multiple states and, you know, with project 2025 and all of these things that we know about what Donald Trump stands for, what he's hoping to achieve. And I honestly don't see a world where he doesn't win this next year. That, wow. That's you're, my personal. You're making predictions already. Yeah, sorry. I don't mean to go into the prediction side, but just talking about this right now, it's it's so frustrating to think back to this year. And everything that's happened with politics and knowing what we're going into in the next year. And it just feels like this this avalanche that's falling and there's just no outrunning it. Anyway, that's my, that's my thoughts on that. Um, we've got things like Hunter Biden, Jeffrey Epstein's list, which was supposed to come out yesterday. Um, and it didn't yesterday when we were recording this. So by the time this drops... Uh, maybe it will have. I don't know. Mitch McConnell uh, freezing up, right? Because he's freaking old. He's like a hundred and however many years old, right? And everyone else in Congress is as well. Affirmative action. There's talk of civil war. There's all these things in politics in the U.S. that just make my skin crawl. And I know it's not just the U.S. either. Globally, it's becoming unhinged. There's a rise in fascism. You know, Argentina just voted in this libertarian who's doing everything he can to bring his own nation down um, further than it already was. We went through conflict and, and civil wars just now. Um, that's due to incompetent politics, right? It's due to people being unwilling to work together and instead fighting against each other. Um, and we've set aside the fact that incompetent and greedy leaders all over the world are continually leading us down this path to destruction as they disregard environmental um, energy needs required to avoid the worst effects of climate change and biodiversity loss. Like they're just, there's nothing really in politics anywhere right now that I've been able to find that gives me any, any sort of like glimmer of hope. So how's that for depressing? I don't know. I thought it was kind of fun to hear you <laughs> rant for a minute. Thank you. It was kind of a circus. Uh, and, sorry. Can we just talk for a minute about – I just mentioned it, it briefly, but the Jeffrey Epstein list, like for those who aren't paying attention to that or familiar with that, we're basically talking about people in the US 
arguing over which of which political side of the aisle had more pedophiles fly to Je- Jeffrey Epstein's island to have relations with like 13 year old girls than the other. So like, no, it's Bill Clinton. No, it's Trump. No, you know, and it's like people are like, well, Biden's not on the list and that makes him some sort of hero because he's not a child rapist. And Jimmy Kimmel and like all these celebrities who are like rumored to be on the list. <laughs> the fact that number one, like we're even talking about this is just ridiculous. And that number two, like it's true. We don't, I don't know exactly who's on that list, but the fact that like Bill Clinton and Trump and many of these others are very likely on it. They had relationships with Jeffrey Epstein they were known to be like having flown with him multiple times and all this stuff. What kind of world are we in where those are the people leading our countries and like, there's no consequences for it other than like people getting angry as long as it's someone not on their side of the aisle. And a lot of Democrats are saying, I've seen like, well, we will be mad no matter who it is. If it's Bill Clinton, whoever they should go down. Right. But then I do see more on the right people being like, well, Bill Clinton and they're all Democrats, you know, and, and not being willing to say like if Trump's on the list, then then he should be held accountable for it. It just feels like, it, again, a circus in which it's not just clowns running around, but like child rapist clowns. <laughs> that is terrifying. I know. Um, yeah, I it's ugly. It is so ugly. And. It's sad to me that even just in the last few decades, it feels like we went from each political party trying to say, hey, our our you know candidate upholds these values. They're going to do these great things for the nation. And it has, it has devolved into this state of everyone just saying, well, your guy is more corrupt than our guy. Right. And and it's like nobody even tries anymore. <laughs> Your guy went to Epstein's Island six times and mine only went three times. Oh, man. It is so disgraceful. And, and like, I'm I'm all for, like, you know, I, I think... Public human- beheadings? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> uh, I think humanity, generally speaking, is good. Full of good people. And when I, when I think of just... People, I, I think, positive thoughts. And yet, when I hear about this stuff, I'm like, just just light it all on fire. Burn it to the ground. Burn it all down. Like, we don't deserve, you know, to to survive through any of, any of the challenges coming our way. Okay. Well, for sake of time, maybe we won't talk about the fact that, um, you know, there's – like the Great Pacific Garbage Patch has its own ecosystem now. <laughs> uh, maybe we won't talk about uh, all of the stuff with Elon Musk and oh, please no. Twitter slash X. Um, you know, there's just so many things we could dive into about 2023. But I think we have at least covered the basics. Uh, anyone listening that has made it all this way through the episode can say, yeah, 2023. What a year. <laughs> um, and here's to 2024. Yeah. So we've been doing this for a few years now, like you mentioned. And, uh, you know, it. on one hand, it'd be easy to say like, well, like we're just any year in all of history, you could just cherry pick the bad stuff and 
compile it all together and it would sound really nasty. And man, maybe that's true. You know, uh, may, maybe this is a very skewed pers- perspective that we're providing. Uh, there were certainly good things that happened during the year. And we certainly, in many ways, live in the most fortunate time in all of human history. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact that in all of these different aspects, politically, economically, with with climate change, all these things, we are heading in a very dangerous direction. And we can see that um, society is starting to crumble. So with that as a backdrop, I want to hear from you, Corey. What do you think 2024 holds for us? You know, um, in the last few years, I've written some predictions out. I've really sat and thought and given it some time. This year, I didn't do so much of that. I think I just have some ideas and some thoughts in my brain about what this year might be like. So I'll just kind of spew some of those. Again, as I mentioned earlier, our predictions are often very and more often than not very, very wrong. Um, I think I got one prediction right from last year that I could confidently say, yeah, I nailed that. And it was that Trump was going to get indicted on all those charges. I said, he's going to get indicted and he's going to go to jail. We don't know if he's going to go to jail yet or not. Um, You mean you weren't right when you predicted that (laughs) 2024 or 2023 would follow the don't look up storyline? Yeah, that a comet was going to crash to Earth. Yeah. I didn't get that right. It's okay. I I was wrong about... um, the Rock, Dwayne Johnson saying something that would offend China. <laughs> yeah, those were our we made our we forced ourselves to do some super outlandish predictions at the end. Um but I will say this. So I already said I think Donald Trump's gonna be reelected. I just there's there's a, a certain amount of passion for him in the nation that people have, and there is a lack of passion for Joe Biden. I think the last four years have been challenging in a lot of ways. There's enough ammo that I think that Republicans have against Joe Biden just in the um, performance of the economy and what gas prices did, you know, and, and all of this stuff. Um, and, and not just that, but Joe Biden is, in my opinion, so neoliberal that he, he basically is a, is a conservative sort of in disguise, right? Like, what did we get? We got much more drilling, right? We, we got no real environmental protections. We're drilling for more oil. Like, the, the neoliberal business as usual is just continuing on as hard as it can. He was making promises for things like student loan debt forgiveness. That did not happen, right? It just, it was so ineffective. And the things that he did do, which were effective, were things that hurt the planet more. And so I think that a lot of people on on the left, especially like the actual left, not the neoliberal left, just they've lost all trust, hope, desire in, in having him back. And I think people will get out to vote against Donald Trump, but I don't think it will be enough. That said, I know that the right is also working hard to, you know, gerrymander and they have this whole playbook of different methods that they use to try and get an edge in the elections. And I think that those will work. Um, last time Donald Trump was in an election, he did his darndest to to overtake it, right? To to cheat his way in. And I think he learned from that. And I don't, I'm not saying he's going to cheat his way in. 
But if he does get officially beat, I think we can expect um, a worse outburst from him and his people than last time. He's coming up on the end of his life. This is all he has left, and I think he's willing to give anything that he has for it. I'm going to disagree. Oh, good. This way, maybe one of us will be right. <laughs> I think Trump will not win. Um, but I will agree on the fact that I don't think he will just, you know, go away quietly when that takes place. Uh, I'm, I, of all the things I'm worried about in 2024, politics is the one that scares me the most. The last election year that we had, it was, things got really nasty. Um, and, and, and I think it's going to be worse. I, I don't want it to be, but I'm just really worried. I think Donald Trump is very desperate. Um, with all of these criminal charges and everything going on, um, I think there's been waning support. I, there are definitely those that stand by him and, and strongly uphold him as a candidate. But I think he's lost a lot of trust from much of the Republican Party. And uh, I think I think he's... Yeah, desperate is probably the right word. Um, I think those that do support him, we saw, you know, the the January sixth incident. Um, I think this is kind of like the the last chance to get in in office, and so I think tensions will rise as we get closer to the election. And I wouldn't be too surprised if some stuff goes down. So, what kind of stuff? Just to push you on your prediction, and then I'll I'll go into a little more detail about mine too. I think I don't know to what degree, but I think there will be some violence. Like I hate to say it, because like I said, I really don't want it to happen. Um, but skirmishes here and there, you know, people in the streets. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see kind of more of the you know, police brutality and, and uh, as tensions rise and things go unchecked, um, or maybe they're too checked. <laughs> I, I, I just worry that there's going to be some rioting that takes place in the streets and even in homes, you know, and, and, and I hope that, you know, a, a handful of brawls is all it amounts to. Um, but I think there are some strong extremists that really want uh, they really want Trump in office, and uh, they might be feeling almost as desperate as he is. So this this I was like obviously this wouldn't happen until twenty twenty five, but I think and leading up to up to it and up to him getting elected, I think. He just goes like he's already pretty much there, but I think he's just going to continue full fascism. Like I think he's just going to go full on populist. He's going to just say outright what he intends to do. It's going to be absolutely outrageous, so outrageous that Democrats, many of them, will laugh at it and say, "Like obviously this guy can't win. What he's saying is too ridiculous. Uh, it's too on the nose in his attempts at being like a fascist leader." And then I think he'll win and I think he'll go for it. Like, I think in 2025, 2026, like, he will be gutting as much as he can gut. And I think within, like, within the, um, 
you know, agencies and protections and things like that. I think he will just go for demonizing groups of people and taking actions to do that. Xenophobia, LGBTQ. I, I think like he learned from his first time through and, and learned from his mistakes. And I think he, I think people also, um, learned what he can do, what he wants to do. And I think he's going to be surrounded by, he's going to surround himself by the people who can get it done this time. You know, when I think back to the last election, we know that there was a lot going on and, and I don't know how much is conspiracy and whatever that, but, but I know to some degree there was foreign involvement, you know, social media platforms, bots, there, there was propaganda that was pushed. And I think that will happen at an increased rate. Particularly, you know, we talk about AI and and there's the fun creative generative side of it, but like you don't you don't even know what photos and videos are real now until they've already spread. You know, and, and then at that point maybe you there's they can be verified or not. But on top of that, um we we didn't talk much about you know Elon Musk and Twitter and and everything, but I, certain social media platforms are becoming uh, more extreme. There's much more hateful rhetoric that's being thrown around. And you mentioned when you started talking about politics, like you're like I don't want to talk too much about it because it just makes me angry. I think in general that's what people feel. There's anger there, and I think that anger is going to intensify. Totally. I actually, um, this is something I have been thinking about recently. You mentioned believing that the majority of the population, like most people are good. And I believe that as well. I also believe there's a large majority of the population that's stupid and that like will, will follow. Doesn't mean they're bad. They're just ignorant. Right. And they want to do what they think is right. And they will follow blindly to achieve that. And the scary part is when you get passionate people who are also ignorant people, it's just a recipe for real disaster. I know a lot of people like that, right? I look around my community and there are rational people and there are very irrational people. And it just makes me nervous just knowing what we already know about rhetoric and, and the way people talk and the, the tribalism that they will ascribe to. I'm nervous about that aspect of it because it, Trump, his his biggest tool are the people that follow him and will do whatever. And we saw that on January 6th, right? Um, that was in a very concentrated geographic location. But online and in cities and towns, counties throughout the country, we see that. And so I, it makes me nervous to think about um, the sort of battles, not necessarily physical battles, but that's fought intellectually between people and the stubbornness that people can can show towards towards Trump and, and what that might mean as he either wins or doesn't win. And they are so set in their ways that it causes a division in the country. I'm not saying civil war, but it causes a division in the people that weakens us as a nation. Um, going on from there to get out of politics for a minute, I think globally, I think this is going to be a year of conflict. That'll be my uh, my my other bold prediction. Um, we've already seen conflict on a, a large scale um, 
that's more west like western countries right we see ukraine against russia we see gaza and israel and those are conflicts we haven't been used to seeing in years prior i think there will be more conflict coming from large countries here's bold prediction number whatever i think i think this is the year that china makes a power move that may be trying to take taiwan um, that may be in some other power move but i think they'll go for it especially where um, the u.s is tied up in gaza and israel and ukraine and russia where it's in the middle of a confusing and conflicting election year taking advantage of the the internal divisions and conflicts that are happening um a great opportunity for china to do something like try and take taiwan back or or whatever um other power move it sees fit and then beyond that again as i mentioned earlier i think there will be a lot of conflict in countries that we're not paying as close of attention to that we probably should be um what someone would classify like a third world country countries in africa and it's it's a canary in the coal mine basically showing that as resources are depleting as it's becoming harder for people to get by in these countries they turn to they turn to tribalism and warfare in an order to in order to survive yeah and in those cases i think lack of resources is often a big part of it i think there's also just a lot of history and deep seated issues there you know that that takes generations to root out um i actually agree with you there on that one and and it's not like it's a big bold prediction to say there's it's going to be a year of conflict we're already coming off of a year of conflict and it hasn't stopped i think it will increase i think Unfortunately, there are a lot of nations that are pleased to see all of the inner turmoil in the U.S. And as that ramps up with this election year, um, and either way it goes, whether it's Biden or Trump, it, it doesn't. It's not a very positive outlook for the U.S. And I think there are countries that are really excited to see that. I think as the U.S. has gotten involved in some of these current conflicts, um, they have strengthened the resolve of their enemies in other parts of the world uh there have been some recent developments you know with what some would say is an attempt from israel uh to pull the u.s even more into the conflict uh, you know what's happened in lebanon and it feels like the world powers are kind of taking sides um you saw that with Ukraine and Russia over the last couple of years, much of the world is, has sided with Ukraine, but you get China who seems to side with Russia. There have been the attempts this year to try to ban TikTok, you know, because it's owned by a Chinese corporation. I joked a little bit about the, you know, the Chinese spy balloon. And I, I don't think that was like a big scary thing, but I think in the minds of people, China is becoming more and more of an enemy. I think most Arab nations really don't like the U S and so it does feel like things are intensifying. I'm, I, I'm not claiming that there's going to be like a world war, but I do think what you said is probably accurate that there will be some attempts to undermine the U S perhaps a little bit more and, and not just the U S but you know, kind of the Western world. Well, if you want, if you want to go bold, cause you say, it's not really bold to say there will be more conflict because, yeah, we've had a lot of conflict this year. I'll be bold and say while it won't be 
full-on declared World War III, I think it will be really hard to sort of convince or prove me that it's not World War III. Like, I think the conflicts will get to a point where the world's superpowers are all involved, right? And whether you can maybe call it like a proxy world war, I think it will be. I think the powerful nations of the world will be fighting through other countries, just as the U.S. now fights through Israel and Ukraine. If, in my opinion, if China gets involved in something of that nature, and maybe the U.S. will understand that it has to to cow to China if they take Taiwan and, and not come to their aid, as has been promised. And that may avert that catastrophic of a, of a situation. But I think the tension is going to be there. And I think it will signal like a, a much a worsening sense of conflict among superpowers in the second half of the decade. What about the economy? You know, I haven't, I don't think I have a prediction for this one. I haven't thought super hard about it other than probably selfishly hoping that there is a soft landing. I know that business as usual is not good, but the economy terrifies me. The, the thought of losing my job, you know, and instability with housing and all of that mortifies me. So I'm going to just say that the Fed, their soft landing approach is going to work and we can have another year of relative tranquility. You know, we talked a little bit about on the climate side, global weirding and how things just get very unpredictable all over the place. I think that's what I expect with the economy where we've already seen some of that. Like if you just look at how things are historically and then you look at what's happening now, it doesn't make sense. It's like usually when stocks do this and bonds do this and you know, that we would expect that we would see the unemployment rate higher. Inverted yield curve and all this, all that stuff. Yeah, there's just all these things where it ha leaves people scratching their head. They're like, this isn't following the model that things usually follow. And I think that's probably going to be the case going forward. I expect there will likely be um, a lot of uncertainty, especially with all the global conflict. Um, there will be a lot of volatility. I think there will be some big uh, peaks and valleys. And I do think certain industries are going to be hit hard. I think it's going to take a few years before AI starts to really disrupt jobs. Agreed. But I think we'll start to see hints of that. Yeah, I was actually just thinking about that. I think, you know, you think about even just generative AI and, and where it's headed and what it can do. It's to the point where it can do a lot of things. But I think like if we want to talk about you know, Hollywood actors being nervous for their jobs, that type of thing. I think we're still a few years out, but I think we'll start to see the threat, the the hints of it, like you said, not just in the generative side, but in all of the side, right? Customer service, um, basically anything where you interact with another person could be AI interacting with AI in the future. And I think we'll see those models starting to be built and tested. All right, all of this has been pretty serious and glum, and that's fine because this is a podcast about collapse. But let's have a little bit of fun. We got to have at least one outlandish prediction. All right. In, are you ready for this? Yes. In the most gaudy, gauche display of like a marketing attempt you've ever seen, Elon Musk will run as Donald Trump's vice president. <laughs> And he will make outlandish promises that if 
Trump is elected, he will like give away Teslas. He will cyber trucks. Yeah, that's just it. And as I've already predicted that Donald Trump will become president, that means we will unfortunately be stuck with an Elon Musk as vice president. And then when President Trump has a heart attack during his presidency, his vice president will reign in his stead and we will have President Elon Musk. Wow. <laughs> oh, I love the outlandish. Well, you know what I think? I rarely do. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with this here on the spot. I think there will be a new disease. Um, but it's going to be something that targets a type of food that we eat. French fries. And maybe it's potatoes, something like that. Um, but as a result, one of these two leading candidates is going to die. <laughs> and there will be claims that from the other side that it was all uh, an engineered attempt. It was an assassination. A pandemic. And that will just, you know, the nation will just erupt. I just love the look in your eyes as you're saying this to me, just of pure um, self-belief. <laughs> Why couldn't you just predict that it would wipe them both out? And, and the rest of Congress, too. <laughs> and and no civilian, no, nobody else, just just those. It just leaves the good, the good people <laughs> prepared to lead us. To a glorious future. Wow, that sounds nice. Well, this was fun. Well, if either of those things happen, you can put us on the next uh, like postage stamp or Nobel Peace Prize winners or something. Because <laughs> we deserve a Nobel Peace Prize <laughs> for what we're predicting. You can predict that. You deserve something cool. Maybe if our predictions are correct, you know, some of our listeners will pitch in and get us like a, a nice t-shirt. Ooh. You know, something that something that says like, hey, you were right. And we can wear that around and feel great about ourselves. Because nothing makes me feel better than being right about our terrible future. 